Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Debates about hate speech, free speech, the politics of outrage and political correctness are running hot. Progressives in the United States, for example, rail against Trump and his army of so-called deplorables. And here and in the U.S., conservatives complain about the clamp on political of the clamp of political correctness and the rollback of freedom of speech. Some say in the eye of the storm sits social media. This is media that's immediate, ubiquitous, user-friendly, and very much now part of everyday life. But old media are implicated as well, setting agendas and advocating positions. Marie Ray teaches in politics and policy studies at Deakin University, and she's our special guest on Communication Mixdown this week. A former journalist herself, she's been following these debates and is currently involved in a research project looking at speech law reforms and how journalists view the delicate balance between freedom of expression and hate speech in liberal democracies. Welcome to Communication Mixdown. Thank you very much, John. And I wanted to start with something very concrete, something that got your attention and seemed to illustrate a bunch of issues for you, the story of Justine Sacco. Yes, so this was detailed um, very well in uh, John Ronson's excellent book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. This was a a young American woman. Um, She was about to board a flight to South Africa and um, she uh, tweeted, I'll get the exact words here, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white. Um, She turned off her phone. Um, She had a couple of hundred followers. She wasn't expecting uh, to get too much reaction jumped on the plane, didn't have her phone on, um, but her tweet was retweeted hundreds of thousands uh, of times. Um, And so in real time, as she was flying over to South Africa, people were retweeting and, um, and of course, uh, you know, including their own outrage at what she'd said. Uh, And among all this, her employer also uh, tweeted that this was an outrageous comment and indicated that she would get the sack when she landed. Um, And so this uh, hashtag developed around this tweet, has Justine landed yet? And it sort of seemed like the whole world uh, was was coming down on her. And then when she did land, of course, the consequences were... um, 
were pretty dire. She didn't feel safe in South Africa and had to leave. Um, she did lose her job and she was publicly shamed. Um, and she later had said to John Ronson, I'll just read this out for you, um, you know, unfortunately I'm not a character on South Park or a comedian, so I had no business commenting on the epidemic in such a politically incorrect manner on a public platform. You know, she thought it was obvious that it was said in jest and that it was supposed to be a critique of of, um, of what was going on in South Africa, but she just didn't expect the um, the punishment that she got online. So why why are you why, why are you citing this? This is something that you wrote about. What, what what's important about this for you? Well, I think it's about the way that we regulate speech um, and the debates around that. Is it society that should be regulating speech? And if we do so online, um, how do we do that? Um, you know, and the, and the debates at the moment are that you, that we should be changing laws in order to regulate um, what is hate speech, what is politically incorrect, uh, and what is free speech. So I guess the, the what this really exemplifies is how society can do this online. Uh, and, and to the extent that they do it, that is also brought into question here. So it's a, the, the issue is a trial by – the phrase that sometimes uses trial by media. Yeah. So we often think of this in terms of mainstream media and, um, you know, the, the – the case that we'd think of probably here in Australia is the Lindy Chamberlain case, you know, whether she killed her own baby or not. These kind of things are often how we think about a trial by media is when often we think of tabloids, you know, Mm. um, sort of declaring people guilty before they've gone through a judicial process. But I think you can also have this trial by social media in which you're really, you know, um, judged and punished um, by a global audience instantaneously. Even more so now, I suspected, yeah. with, with with all this stuff. I remember when you were talking, I was thinking about Chappelle Corby. Yep. And more recently, that uh, young woman who was in South America got caught with cocaine. Mm. It's still going on now. What's her name? I've forgotten her name now. I can't Sainsbury. Remember. Yeah. Yes. Now, some the other thing that I found interesting in, in you know, finding out a bit more about your work is, You've come across some very interesting studies. I think these these studies Mm. looking at young people and the way that they're connecting with social media but also trying to avoid that online outrage that you're talking about Mm. and avoiding conflict and, in in, in some respects, self-censoring. What? What, tell us a bit about those studies. Yeah, so this is um, done by um, there's a professor at the uh, 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 Ariadne uh, Roman who's based in Sydney with uh, some of her colleagues, and they look at young people and um, political participation online, um, and they do find that people do get politically active and are outspoken, but there are also a group of people who withdraw from politics online. So they're using Facebook, um, but more in a, a social or a familial way with their with their friends rather than actually using it as a tool for political participation. And so some of those people that they um, interviewed uh, just said that they want... Uh, I'll, I'll quote one of the women that they um, interviewed saying, um, you know, for example, the thing with online is you can't hear the person's tone or pitch in how they would say it. So a harmless comment could appear offensive to the reader. Reader, And, you know, another said people end up getting in fights that have nothing to do with politics and a lot more to do with name-calling. Mm. So it, it's... Um, 
I know I'm concerned about this as a teacher of young people that we, we're not using um, social media in the way that it was supposed to be, you know, this new public sphere in which we can all participate. Everybody has a voice. You don't have to be Rupert Murdoch with a lot of money mm. to be able mm-hmm. to tell your public, to share your political opinions. But now we've got this um, self-censorship um, in which people don't do that because they're worried about the, the sanctions of other social media users. I think that's a really important thing that you're mm. actually raising there, the fear of, 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 you know, being, well, I guess shamed, but, but, but the sort of outrage that, that the response to a post might mm. entail. And the thing that's interesting for me, because you are, you know, working as a, a, as a lecturer and so on, I'm wondering about the classroom itself. And, you know, like, what's your feeling about how things go? I mean, you know, I, I'll, you know, I used to do I, that was that was my gig as well mm. for a long time. And, you know, we used to have these things called tutorials and, you know, people would be in the tutorials and they would be discussions. Do you feel that there's a holding back in a sense? Absolutely. I've been surprised really at how politics students can be quite reticent about sharing their opinions in class because, um Politics is about conflict, but it's also about rational, robust discussion and and the, and you know um, and forming a really strong argument. But I, it does take a while for classes to sometimes warm up, and I I fear that there there are people who do hold back from saying what might be considered an, an unpopular opinion in class, um, and, um, and and I don't know the relationship between that, whether it's always been that way before the widespread use of social media or whether that's actually how those two are, are related. So is it is it that you're less willing to say something controversial or perhaps considered offensive if you're sitting across from somebody and you've got those that face to face interaction? Or is it just easier to tweet it at night, you know, under an you know, an anonymous handle or something like that? You can be far more provocative or or offensive. Absolutely. Mm. That's very yeah, it's very so so the, the, there's the online world and there's the what they used to call VR, virtual reality, and and something LR or anyway, whatever they used to call it. But yeah, yeah. that's a, that's quite interesting. Um, the other thing that uh, I I found uh, what, what you were writing about the, the young people was um, yes, the the fear of of posting something mm. and then essentially being attacked for post for posting something like that. Yeah, I I really worry about how we can have really difficult discussions or very open discussions about difficult policy issues like refugees or security or um, immigration or racism or gender if if we're not willing to um, say something that might be considered politically incorrect by somebody else. And that's the problem. We don't know. It's so subjective what is politically incorrect or... Um, or uh, offensive to somebody else, you know, um, m- might not bother other people. Mm, so, mm, uh, mm. And, and I'm not sure we actually know what politically incorrect means. It's kind of being used as its catch-all now. Um, it sort of started off in the 1990s, um, and especially in America, where you sort of had this free speech uh, amendment clashing with, you know, universities bringing new standards of speech. Um, but we're sort of re-seeing it now in, in populist discourse. We're sort of seeing, especially, you know, uh, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott using it quite a lot now in a lot of different contexts. Yeah. A lot, a lot. 
I, I want to come back to that actually, and mm. I hope I, I hope <laughs> I can elicit a comment or, or two around this. But let's let's turn to, to something a little bit bigger. We're mm. talking about the let's call it the empirical world and yeah. and some of the actual cases that you've looked at. But the bigger picture underneath and over under either underneath this or above it. Um, are issues to do with, as you've actually said, freedom of speech, who's allowed to say what to whom, where, when, how, and different countries are mm. responding to this in different ways. And mm. you've been looking at Germany and at Canada. I mm. thought maybe I'd, I'd like to ask you about what's going on in Germany. Yeah, so they recently passed a law in uh, June um, that um, targeted social media companies. So they've been the first to do this. Um, obviously, they haven't been happy with how these um, platforms such as Twitter and Facebook are uh, regulating speech. So if um, these social media companies don't remove uh, illegal or racist or slanderous comments within 24 hours, they can be hit with a huge fine of up to $60,000. So we're talking about Facebook, we're talking about Twitter. Yep, yep. So this is really groundbreaking in terms of a government intervention uh, um, about how to regulate um, this speech. And I don't know if you've been... um, I think in the last couple of days, Twitter have just extended the length of their um, tweets to 280 characters. But a lot of response that I've seen to that is, well, we're not so worried about the length and style of the tweet. Let's just get rid of the Nazis, you know. <laughs> like if Twitter can lengthen the, you know, the the, the size of a tweet, then it can surely um, regulate, uh, you, you know. Uh, I've also, yes, I heard that today mm-hmm. and I was going to maybe – raise that as an issue but now that you have uh, the things that i heard was people were saying well it's now going to give trump trump even more time to be abusive <laughs> and even other and other people they all write more more opportunity to be more more characters to be abusive yeah and i i find twitter a particularly inflammatory platform i'm not sure whether it's the um it is the size of the of the um post or that you can't really go into much nuance with 140 characters mm, or mm. or perhaps it's the anonymity of it as well but it tends to be uh, um, a platform that is used for a negative campaign or um, yes yeah it, much more so I think than Facebook or other sort of yes social, yes like yeah, Instagram yeah. look I, I'm when you're talking what's popping into my mind is that that old McLuhan expression the medium is the message and yeah you know Maybe I look. You raised an interesting thing. The very fact that it's it's such an abbreviated mm. uh, form, um, it, it's impossible. Like you were saying before, the discussion about refugees or discussion about free speech, or these are very complex yeah. sorts of things. You need nuance, and mm. you obviously can't get it in Twitter. I'm just thinking maybe we should have a little break, and sure. then we'll come back. 3CR is actively advocating for equality in the lead-up to the National Postal Survey on same-sex marriage. As such, we will not give airtime to the No campaign on the basis that it is prejudiced, homophobic and harmful to LGBTIQ people and our families. Our community may hold different views on marriage as an institution, yet we agree this postal survey is a political stunt designed to appease prejudiced and homophobic views. 3CR will continue to advocate for equality in all areas. At this particular time in our political climate, we need to ensure that our members, friends and colleagues know that 3CR is a safe space for all our community.
Tilda is Melbourne's trans and gender diverse film festival, created to showcase and support the work of trans and gender diverse filmmakers, along with works that have trans and gender diverse content. Join Tilda at the Footscray Community Arts Centre, October 26 to 29, for our 2017 festival, filled with cinema, community, and celebration. Head to tildamelbourne.com for program details and tickets. That's T I L D E. Melbourne.com, a 3CR supporter. You're with Communication Mixdown and I'm talking with Marie Ray. She lectures in politics and policy studies at Deakin University and we're discussing debates around hate speech, free speech, the politics of outrage and political correctness and how that all relates to old and especially new media. Now, we've been talking about different national responses mm. to online, particularly the, the, the politics of outrage, mm. but also free, free speech and so on. You've talked about Germany. There was also some very interesting things happened in Canada a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's right. So they had a very similar debate to the one that we've been having about the Section 18C of the Racial Discrimination Act here, uh, which makes it an... Um, an offence to um, offend, insult, humiliate or intimidate anyone based on race, colour, nationality or ethnicity. Uh, This was under the Harper government uh, and they had a very similar uh, section called Section 3 um, which um, prohibited speech that was likely to expose a person to hatred or contempt and they actually repealed their section. So... um, they were successful in getting rid of their version of 18C. And why I thought this was really interesting was because you had... It's not often that the left and the right media get together um, uh, to lobby for a particular issue, Uh, but in this case um, they did. So you sort of had sort of uh, left... uh, wing journalists or the Canadian Journalists Association, also civil liberties groups, but also teaming up with sort of more conservative newspapers, uh, what we might call alt-right commentators, mm, mm. Um, all sort of arguing that this um, was, pro- uh, was draconian speech laws. What was the, what was the case? Just, just to give people a, the, the, the background of this. What, yeah, what, so what, it, what was, it was uh, a couple of um, publications in particular, Maclean's uh, and also the Western Standard, and they have published, I can't remember which one exactly it was, but they had republished the Muhammad cartoons that um, uh, had caused riots in Denmark and across mm. the world. So that was one, but they were also writing a lot of anti-immigration uh, type of material, which also um, attracted these complaints. Mm. Mm. Now, the other, the other side of this, of course, is not, not just the legislation, it's the companies who run these platforms, own and run the platforms. Mm. And there's, as you, you've talked about Twitter today, and there's a lot of pressure, as I understand it, being put on these new media companies to regulate in some way their platforms, particularly very recently, the Charlottesville uh, mm. incident in the in the United States, which had a huge, apparently a huge outpouring of mm. alt-right sort of stuff, mm. uh, very racist, very, it was, it was really ugly. Mm. And there's been a lot of pressure now being put on Facebook and on Twitter to, to do stuff. That's Have right. you been following that at all? I have a bit. And yes, I know that they, um, I know at one stage, Twitter actually did close down some accounts of um, alt-right commentators. Marlo uh, Yiniopoulos, I think is how you pronounce his name. 
name, was booted off Twitter, but they just went onto another platform. And this is the thing about social media is that one company can shut down accounts, but you can just just spring up in a different place. Mm. And I guess I'm a little bit conflicted as well about is it better to know that these groups are out there and thinking and saying this stuff or is it so that we know um, that this is how people are thinking or this is the kind of feelings that they want to express. Um, I was quite surprised that the American Civil Liberties Union actually came out um, in defence of the white nationalists who, who protested in Charlottesville because they are sort of fundamentalist pro-speech advocates. Yes. And um, um, I just, I, I, I'm at a loss of how to actually, and mm. this is why I find this topic so interesting, is it, do we use social sanctions against um, this kind of speech, um, or does that end up into a Justine Sacco situation where it's um, the, the the punishment doesn't fit the crime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I guess the, the talking the, speaking about the punishment, I guess if you legislate, I guess the punishment becomes, I suppose you could be taken taken down as it were as a mm. company or taken off mm. off the web in some way or other, or faced with huge huge fines. Like, I'm not sure what else yeah. what else you can you can legislate in those terms. And there's another argument as well is that if you suppress it it does come up into more uglier demonstrations of these feelings. You know, if people don't feel like they can have a say, mm-hmm. we are hearing this, you know, in um, post-Trump about people just saying, you know, we can't, you can't be politically incorrect anymore. I heard a lot of Trump supporters when they were questioned about um, why they were attracted to his campaign. They said, well, because he just says it as it is. And, you know, we can't um, say whatever we want anymore. So mm. if you do let people say what they want, then do you, you know, have a, a, a more civil um, society? And that really brings us right to where we are now, right I think where where we are right now historically mm. in Australia and at the moment it seems to me that what we're talking about really does it fits very well into the moment that we're in the politics of outrage that has to do with free speech hate speech that conundrum and it's the same sex marriage survey which is going on right now mm. it's extremely and i think you probably would admit this um, this is a leading question but mm. uh, it it is extremely divisive it's very fraught yeah have you been keeping an eye on how this has been playing out and particularly in terms of social media because your research interests, I think, do overlap with this sort of stuff. Mm, absolutely, yes. I have been following it. And interestingly, I um, this political incorrectness um, and free speech has come up quite a lot with people on both sides saying that they haven't been allowed to speak freely about how they feel. Um, and we did see, uh, I mentioned earlier, Tony Abbott talking about political mm-hmm. incorrectness quite a bit. And a statement that I felt was very interesting was when he said, if you're against political correctness, then vote no. You know, that this became this umbrella um, concept for a whole heap of other mm-hmm. things, including marriage equality. Um, and I was quite fascinated to hear you, a lot of the no proponents are saying that um, they haven't been able to speak freely. So, uh, you know, for example, Lyle Shelton, Corey Bernardi, those sort of no advocates are saying um, that they're that they're being um, bullied into being quiet, um, which I feel is quite ironic because there was um, um, a survey done the other day that showed that the no um, campaign was actually getting uh, quoted four times as much as the yes campaign 
uh, in the I, mainstream I, media. I read that as well. And it's, a huge uh-huh. amount, uh, this Lyle Sheldon yeah. guy, he, he gets huge coverage. Yeah. Uh, Simply because the AB, when this in the case of the ABC, there has mm. to be this idea of balance and so on. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's very interesting. And you just you just mentioned just before uh, your students. Uh, you, you've been involved with the, some discussions with your students about these things as well. Yeah. So I, I um I teach a subject called media and politics campaign strategies, in which students can run their own communication campaigns, mm. and a lot of them have chosen um, the marriage. Uh, equality campaign is one to focus on um, and so we've been really sort of analysing some of the material that's come out of that um, and it will be really interesting because they did pass laws prohibiting um, um, a, well, for use of a better word, uh, offensive or um, vitriolic kind of campaigning. So it'll be interesting to see if anyone's actually um, mm. breaches that if mm. if we have any breaches at the end of this campaign we've got another six weeks to go so I don't know if it's yeah, if, yeah. if it can possibly get any nastier but what I find fascinating is just you have um, um, somebody particularly I think the no campaign here is saying that we don't have a voice in this but they've they've got a huge platform Absolutely. both in the mainstream media and uh, online as well yeah and I, again things that I've read is they've spent enormous amounts of money on mm. in, on on advertising on, for television way yeah. way more than the, the yes campaign yeah i've been very surprised that the yes campaign hasn't had more funding or hasn't had um a more uh, i don't know whether it's just because they're focused more on social media than they are on mainstream mm. media but they're also doing a lot of offline stuff as well such yes. as door knocking mm. Look, it's been fascinating talking to you, and uh, actually, uh, I, there's lots and lots of stuff we we need to cover. And uh, as I understand it, you're going off to Canada to do a, a bit more research on on this uh, on the, the discussion of social media and um, speech laws and so on. That's right. So we might have you back, and you can tell us about what what you've discovered there. That'd be terrific. It'd be a pleasure. Okay. So look, we've been talking with Marie. Uh, Marie Ray, and she lectures in politics and policy studies at Deakin University. Her work is focused on media, old and new, agenda setting, and the controversial and controversial policy making around freedom of speech. And I hope she does come back. And uh, this is Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer, and we'll be back six o'clock next week. Talk to you then. <laughs>